I said last week that if anybody, one of the things I'd like to start doing is periodically have people do their testimonies so we can sort of get to know each other better and stuff. Um, so, Dale, um, was that the prompting of Eric or was it today? <laughs> for those um, of you that don't know, we had yeah. coffee together Tuesday mornings and have been doing this for years. So today, he said, did you take Greg's challenge up? And I went, Greg's challenge for a testimony. I said, no. So he said, well, going to have to do it sometime. So I did it today. All right, yeah. good. Well, you get to be our, our first one to start out. Okay. Um, so I think what we're going to do is we'll, we'll have Dale do that, which would be really good. I'm looking forward to hearing this. And then we're going to dive into John 10. Um, and, um, it's going to be an interesting passage tonight, I think. So, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, okay. go for it, Dale. So I, I wrote out an outline for myself so I can sort of stay focused and keep, keep on in a line instead of jumping around. So, uh, for those of you that don't know me or know my history, uh, I was born in Oklahoma. I was born at home in a house about the size of this room. Uh, I was delivered by an Indian. Uh, by a in- Indian, Cherokee. Oh, oh okay. Uh, he charged my dad $6, and my dad had to make payments <laughs> to get the $6 to me. What if he missed a payment? They put me back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was October 24th, 1940. Uh, my folks left Oklahoma. In January of 1941. Hey, David. Hey, that's the blue. So, um, he left Oklahoma then? January of 1941. So, a year later. Uh, three months later. Three months. October, November, December, January, they were on the road. Um, hadn't become a dust bowl yet, huh? Oh, had already done that. (laughs) Depression and the dust bowl had already happened. My dad made $2 a day for a 10-hour day, seven days a week. And men would come into this gas station where he's working and say, I don't care what you're paying the boy, I'll work for half. So that's what it was like uh, in Oklahoma in those days. So my dad had scraped together uh, $55. And they left Oklahoma with me and $55. And got to California three days later with 35 bucks. Traveled <laughs> halfway across the United States, room and board, for 20 bucks. So, uh, if you probably all read Grapes of Wrath or at least seen the movie, uh, that's my folks. You know, they, they got to California, they were Okies, everything had to be taken out of the car and spread out on the desert mm-hmm. for the guy in, in the the purpose was, they said, to keep fruit from being brought into the state. Mm-hmm. But it was just harassment of people. <coughs> so that was my beginning. My uh, dad got a job for 55 cents an hour. And they thought they were home free and clear. Mm-hmm. So it was a... What type of work did he do? Uh, he was a gas station in uh, Oklahoma. Uh. Here, he uh, the first job, he was a meat packer. Wow. And the uh, second job was Alcoa Aluminum. Hmm. 
and he retired 30-some years later from alcoholism. Uh, one of the things you'll see in this, or hear in this, is consistency. And I learned that from my dad. Do something and stay with it. You know? So he went to work for Alcoa Alumna and was there for years and years and years. Um, my earliest memories of church was going to Sunday school as a little tiny kid and memorizing Bible verses. And they had little packets like stamp books, you know, and you got little blue stars for memorizing verses. That's what I did for years and years and years and years. Uh, we finally moved out of East L.A. and moved to what is called Pico. Now it's called Pico Rivera. Then it was called Pico, and it's the 605 freeway, if you don't know the word, uh, Pico. Um, My, besides memorizing verses and going to church every Sunday, uh, some real fond memories of mine is uh, my mother reading to me every night. And it was some kind of Bible story. And in those days, you could buy a whole book. Um, when she died in 05, I went through a whole bunch of books, and I just couldn't keep everything. So I let those books go. And they were printed during the war. So they were books on newsprint. And they cost 65 cents a piece. And they were about notebook size and about that thick. But they had all kinds of Bible stories in them. So that's what I was raised on. Memorizing Bible verses, being read Bible stories every night. And my mom had been a Christian as a kid. And my dad had been a Christian as a kid. So, you know. Being consistent in the church is something, like Jeff said, you know, I started at, he started at what age, you know, it's all I can remember. Um, When I turned 11, actually I joined the Cub Scouts, but it really was only semi-important because of buddies, but then I joined the Boy Scouts in 51 when I was 11, and that became a real turning point for me because... The Boy Scouts had a special week for church. And so I went to this church with some of the other Scouts. And my folks went with me. And they very quickly joined the church. Uh, The following year, we had a circuit preacher come through and preach every night. And uh, I went forward at the end of the week and uh, became a Christian. So that was when you were 11? That's when I was 12. 12. So I became a Christian where I could actually say I am a Christian uh-huh. at 12. Um, during the following couple of years, I earned what was called the God and Country Award, which is a religious, a major religious award given to a Boy Scout. So there were Three major awards. You all have heard of the Equal Award. That's one. The God and Country Award. And then the Silver Award for the older boys. So, um, there, you probably have never met anybody that's in the Boy Scouts as seriously as I was. Um, I mean, I had all the awards, did all the things, was shipped from here to New Mexico to Northern California, all kinds of places for leadership training. 
Did you go to the Jamboree in 53? I was there. Um, uh. My buddy was in the Whittier unit, and I was in, um, I think I, my unit was actually Whittier too, but I didn't know the guys. I just went in at the last moment. Yeah. Uh, and he called, he came over and said, you got to come over tomorrow. Wow. He said, I'm serving breakfast to Nixon. <laughs> so, yeah, he went over. And, yeah. So it was a big deal. I've got a film about it. I've got yeah. a, a video yeah. of the, the whole process. Did you become an Eagle Scout? I was an Eagle and a Silver. I was, I had every award known to man. Uh, <laughs> well, my dad did too. Yeah, it was uh, a major factor for me. I, uh, I could uh, <coughs> take off with a pocket knife out the back door and be gone a week and come back overweight. <laughs> so it was, uh, I learned the confidence to take off and go and take care of myself with nothing. So all the books, Boy's Life and all, and the Boy Scout Handbook and all that stuff was well read by me. So um, becoming a, a Christian then, uh, was really important. My dad eventually became a deacon. My mom became uh, the church secretary and treasurer for 50-some years. Uh, my dad built, we met in a lumber yard, and they bought a piece of property and were going to build a church. So my dad took the responsibility of building the church, and he didn't build anything. But he, he got all these guys to come. And I asked him when I said, how do you get these guys to all come all the time? He said, you make sure they go home tired, dirty, and sweaty so that they will know that they were needed and they'll come back the next time. And we just started building the church and worked every night until it was built. So church still stands today. I'm very happy I can go back there and see it. Um, as a got to include Marilyn in my testimony because I met her when I was 14 freshman English class come on in Jason. so we met in a freshman English class we went all through high school together never really talked to each other in high school uh, my best buddy was uh, captain of the football team captain of the basketball team captain of the track team and captain of the track team I mean uh, yeah track wrestling, basketball, and football. He was a great athlete, great student. He wanted to date Marilyn. Her folks wouldn't let her date Chris, but he could double date. So, um, the whole senior year, we're all going on dates together. I'm with one of Marilyn's friends. Chris is with Marilyn. Uh, After the senior all-night party, uh, I called Marilyn, and Marilyn said, sure, I'll go on a date. And uh, four years later, we were married. Uh, uh, so you got married at what age? I got married at 21. Okay. Going, I would be 22 in a few months. Uh, so we got married. Marilyn comes from the same background I do. Great parents, Christians, grandparents, Christians. They all worked in churches. They all did all kinds of stuff. So Marilyn and I just have a, a very similar background. 
So, um, we went to church. Once we started dating, we went to church every Sunday together. Her church was right across the street from where she lived. So, we go to her church one Sunday and my church the next oh. Sunday and back and forth and back and forth. So we did. Were they the same type of churches? Baptist. Yeah. Okay. She went to Rivera Baptist and I went to Pico Baptist. Okay. When we got date, when we got married, they made it Pico Rivera. Okay. <laughs> so there's still Pico Baptist and there's still Rivera Baptist, uh, but the town is now Pico Rivera. No, it's the, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marilyn went to Whittier College and went through in four years. I went to. Fullerton and went through Fullerton and Humboldt and Long Beach and graduated uh, seven years later. But I had trips to Hawaii and all kinds of other things in between. I went to two of those schools. I did Fullerton and Long Beach. Did you? (laughs) Should have listened to my counselor and gone to Fullerton. I, no, Fullerton JC. Oh, um, I didn't know. I graduated from high school. And I didn't know you needed to apply to a school. So at towards the end of the senior year, people would say, what school are you going to? And I, I said, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it yet. And I said, well, you needed to apply. You needed to apply. And I go, why? You know? See? Totally See? logical. <laughs> why? I'm not done with school yet. That's yeah. ridiculous. I hadn't finished high school, so I didn't know. Anyway, they... That's how I was. So I went to Fullerton. And you really like it at home, too. Why yeah. screw up a good deal? Yeah, yeah life was... Yeah, that's fun. So anyway, that's what I did. So we got married. I worked... I went to school for three years. Marilyn taught for three years. Um, her first contract was for $4,500 for the year. And we lived on half of that. Wow. So we saved all the rest, and we went to Europe for a year when I graduated. But we had to come home early because she was pregnant. So we came home. I got a teaching job. And she uh, delivered at South Coast. And the girl that was in the room with her said, what church do you go to? And we said, well, we go home. We go back every weekend. We would go back home and go to church either with my folks or her folks. And they said, well, there's a really good church here in Laguna, and it's the Hare Krishna church is where we were, where they were, where this church used to be. So we went there. Mike Montgomery was the pastor, and he ran the church like a college class. What year was that? 1966. Okay. Late seventies and eighties, there Ari Grish was over. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. When did you start lifeguarding? Sixty. Okay. So sixty to sixty-six, we were bouncing around and going to all different kinds of places, home-wise. Long Beach, then here during the summer to lifeguarding, and back and forth, and doing all that sort of stuff. Uh, then, then lo and behold. We go to this church. So I've been here since 66. So it's that consistency thing again. My dad started for Alcoa and worked his whole life for one job. I did a job for uh, Corona Del Mar to teach. And I was there from 
1969 to 2000. So it's uh, back and forth. I come to this church. I was satisfied. Stayed there. Uh, one night at a men's fellowship dinner, the head of the congregation, his name was Jack Wheaton, he said, pointed around to guys like me and some of the others, said, you guys need to step up and start accepting leadership. So I went, well, these guys are all in control, so I, he must not really be talking to me. Uh, Marilyn was pregnant again in 69, and the leadership of the church left. All of the, all of all of the elders, head of the congregation, and the pastor all walked out the one door one day, and there had been a big argument about having the church. So we had this church. The elders wanted to buy Pine Castle, which is a hotel on the north end, and and the deacons didn't want to buy it. So the elders could sign the papers, so the elders bought it. The deacons were irritated. (laughs) Then everybody got irritated to each other. The elders left, so the guys who wanted it left, and the guys who didn't want it had it. Marilyn was eight months pregnant and pulling weeds at Pine Castle, and I was fixing the plumbing when we found out that they were all leaving. So all of a sudden, here's the challenge. You guys need to step up and be in leadership. So I became an elder. <laughs> I became an elder. And I, I went from sitting in the back pews in the back to walking up front. And it was a difficult time for me. But I became part of the wandering years for this church. And we did all that. We went from Thurston to the Masonic Lodge to Mrs. Ogg's. We got down small enough there was only about eight families. And so we met in Mrs. Ogg's house, which is right across the street from the Veterans Hall down here. Then we started to build up, and we got the Veterans Hall, and then eventually we bought this place, and that's a whole different story. So that's been my growth through this whole thing. Uh, Interesting. Um, so I've been here through thick and thin. Uh, uh, after I stayed an elder all the way up to about 2000. <clears throat> and at 2000, lots of things were happening in the church and different people were in and I felt really comfortable with who was leading and who wasn't leading and all the rest of that. And uh, I, I wrote something a few years ago that said this, be willing to pass the baton. After passing the baton, be willing to let the others lead, be a good follower, be helpful, let the student become the leader. It's okay for others to do it differently. Stay anyway. And that's that was my attitude yeah. uh, when I stopped being an elder. So I, I really work at not chipping at people when they do things differently than I would do it. It's a, you know, just because they do it differently doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means they're doing it different. So 
because I know that I'm right, because you're doing it different doesn't mean that you're wrong. And so that's that's where I am. Yeah. Do you know what year Steve Krantz became the pastor? No, I, I wouldn't want to put a date on it. Uh, yeah. But maybe 40 years, uh, close to 35 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, today, this is, I'm here specifically to gain wisdom, to share my life with other men, and to be among friends. I'm specifically here for those purposes. I work hard trying to keep my life simple. I like what Jeff has been talking about, about wisdom for the past few weeks, because I really agree with what he is saying. Um, I work hard at trying to keep my life simple so I can focus on the parts that are important to me. Um, some of you have heard this before because it's something I say often, but I wrote this. One day while at church, a young girl uh, by the name of Grace Wellsfree, whose family was real important to me here at this church, um, she said, how are you doing? It's a common statement we say to each other as we pass one another. I would have normally reply, replied, fine, and walked on. But that day I stopped and asked her if she really wanted to know. I think the question caught her off guard as much as it did me. But I re she replied, yes, how are you doing? Uh, I don't know really where this answer came from. I didn't plan it. I hadn't been thinking about it. It just came out. I said, well, I know Christ. I'm married to Marilyn. And Marilyn really is my partner in walking with Christ and has been since I was 18. So that foundation that I have to walk with her is just really special. So I said, well, I know Christ. I'm married to Marilyn. My children like me. I live in Laguna. I guess I'm doing okay. And then, since then, uh, my response even caught me off guard. Uh, but I like it enough, I've kept it, and I repeat it often enough so I can say it over again. Um, if I were to make any additions, this is what it would be. Well, I know Christ. I'm married to Marilyn. My children like me. I have many good friends. And I do. I just have lots and lots and lots of really close good friends. And that's another one of the consistency things. When Marilyn's folks had their 50th anniversary... There were like 60 people who had already had their 50th anniversary mm. and a good number who had already had their 60th anniversary. So that's the history that I come from in my Christian walk with Marilyn is that we, um, that's just where we are. It's, it's such a part of our life that we can't think of walking without it. So. Yeah, you said the word stay. You stay, stay. stay how do you say stay in? Stay. stay. Just stay. Just stay. I mean, I just, I hear that. That sounds like a theme for yeah. your whole life. It's just staying. Staying. Yeah. You Which know, is I, a very unusual um, well, trait that you see these days. Uh, some people may just say, uh, too simple to change or not willing to. I had a principal <coughs> who posted all over the school. Uh, if you're not willing to change, um, how does it go? If you're not willing to change, you can't improve. 
and I walked around and wrote on the bottom of every one of those little signs. Uh, uh, if you're going to be cha- if you're going to change, you have to be willing to give up what you already have. And he got way mad at me. Uh, but uh, that's sort of where I am. It comes from my dad. It comes from Marilyn's folks. Uh, yeah. So that's all right. That's well, thank you, Dale. Thanks. So you know a little yeah, bit more. Appreciate about that. Yeah. Is there any points in your life where major decisions were presented and uh, you felt somebody was looking over your shoulder, telling you which way to go, and what to do? Uh, my whole, I wrote another paper on how to live a meaningful life, um, and part of that I wrote that, is that I feel like I've lived the life of a baton. A what? Baton. Track. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of. I have just, I have just been a person who has led a life who has been handed from one mentor to the next. And any time I have started to go in a wrong direction, God has stepped in front and has shut that down or done something. And, uh, another paper I wrote was on coincidences, uh, God working a miracle in my life uh, anonymously. Uh, but I have been really blessed... Uh, Marilyn and I um, don't talk often about how much we love each other or roles in each other has. But for me, when the landslide occurred, uh, it was a real testimony of how well we worked together. Uh, I felt God spoke to me the night of the landslide and said, I will carry you. And uh, and I just had that focus for three years that God was walking before me. And Marilyn never questioned me on it, except once. Uh, uh, but I would be doing the things that I needed to do. Marilyn would look and see what needed to be done to fill in all the holes. And she did a whole thing. We didn't have to debate with each other or discuss. So she's been such a help for me my whole life. And even when I was dumb, uh, really dumb, she loved me anyway. So I, I keep asking myself, how did I get to where I am today and from where I started out? Uh, God tried to make me rich, and I kept turning him down. So it's just, uh, uh, I don't he got me to write. He got me into a writing class down at uh, Susie Q. And one day, the instructor said, uh, "I'll give you 20 minutes, and I want you to write about what you would change in your life." So we got all done, and she said, went around the room, and people were saying, and she got to me, and she said, "And Dale, what did you write?" And I held up my paper, and it had the word "nothing" on it. And she said, in a whole life, at your age, you have anything that you would change? I said, this is how I see my life. I travel like a billiard ball on the table until I hit something, and then my path changes. 
and I travel on that till I hit something else, and then my life changes and I travel that path. If I had backed up and picked something to change, I wouldn't be here. I'd be someplace else. That's right. So it's uh, <clears throat> I, you're unique. For example, it's like nothing. I think most of us we go back and change some things that we screwed up. But. Yeah, but if you change that, <clears throat> the assumption is is if we changed it, it would be better. It would be better. Yeah. But that's not true. Not necessarily true. If you change that, you might be who knows where. Well, you might not have learned what you needed to learn at the time yeah. to yeah. get you to where you're at now as well. Would I would I have chosen to be in the landslide? <laughs> that was dumb, you know. No, but did I grow from the landslide? Big time. Amen. Yeah, yeah, big time. So it's uh, it gave me a real example of how much other friends were willing to help. It was uh, it was incredible. Um, so it's uh, you have no idea what life can be like until everything is taken away. Was that the most recent one, Bluebird? No, that was the one before that. The okay. most recent one was 2005. We were 78. Were the forest cops they like the bowl of cherries or something? Like yeah. Right. That's right. a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, all right. Well, good. Good deal. Thank you. All right. Okay. Um, why don't you guys open up to John. Hello, Steve. Do you need... Um, I do. Do you want to borrow one of these? Thank you. All right. So we're in John 10. And... We're going to read 22, John 10, 22, until the end. Um, so, who would like to read that? You want to do Ken? Okay. At the time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will, we, will you keep us in suspense? If you are in Christ, tell us plainly, Jesus answered them. I have told you and do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, or no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are going to stone, which are you are going to stone me? The Jews answered, It's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, blasphemy, because you are being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I said, you are gods. If you call them gods to whom the word of God came, the scripture 
cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming, and because I said I am the Son of God, if I do, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do, then do not believe me. But I do believe them, even though you do not believe me. Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. After they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing at first, and then he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did not sign, but everything that John said about the man was true. And many believed in him there. So what is happening in this passage? What do you guys see that is going on now with Jesus and the other people around him? What do you, what do you like, sort of... Starting to pass judgment on him. I mean, they're about ready to stone him to death. <laughs> well, they actually were. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. They've already pretty much made up their mind who he is and what they think he is. Mm-hmm. And okay. the fact that he's blaspheming about him being the son of God. So. So why are the yeah, why are they wanting to stone him? Because he's not within the law of Moses. He's he's telling them that he is the Son of God. That he is. Well, they 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 want to stone him because he is saying very directly that he is God. Exactly. Okay, so he is on par with God the Father. Okay, so where is where is Jesus doing that here? Where is he saying what Jason just said? He's at the top. My father are one. Okay, very good. Okay, did you guys see that? Yes. Do you notice that? So, verse 30. I haven't, I and the seen, Father. I haven't seen the new film that's out. Yeah, I just saw it. Jesus Revolution. Okay. Yeah. And um, in the clip, it says, uh, I am the law of Moses. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anybody that would say that attention. Get your, yeah. would get the attention of the Jews. So. so, okay. So, they're at the temple during the feast. Right. Yeah. So one, note, and so notice what happens in verse 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Yeah. And what is their response? Immediately pick up stones. Very good. Okay. But, but it starts prior to that. Well, yeah, it does start prior to that. Okay. I just want to pick up on 30 for a minute. Okay. So notice, the, because I want you to look at what the result is of what Jesus just said. So Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Immediately following that, people they pick up stones to stone him. You see that? You got that? Mm-hmm. So when is the next? When what does Jesus say next that gets them upset? I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? He asked them. Okay, so where's that? Right, right after. In 32, Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works uh-huh. from the Father. Okay. For which of them are you going to stone me? Basically, he's saying, which of these good works are you going to stone me for? Why, why would you stone me if I'm doing all these good works? Well, when they tried to stone him again right after that, I tried to arrest him again. He said, um, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Yeah, in 38. Yeah, okay. 
Okay, so you guys see that? All right. So notice, and then notice what it says in verse 39, right? Again, <laughs> they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Okay. So you, so you see the statement that Jesus is saying that's causing this problem, right? So he's, he's saying in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Immediately there, they get upset and they want to stone him. <clears throat> and what is the reason why they tell him they want to stone him? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Okay. And then notice that right before they're going to, but then they start to arrest him. He says, "What about his relationship with the Father?" They're in one. Yeah. The same. Yeah. One the same. Right. Okay. Well, they say he says that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, which is which is pretty much the same. Okay. So I want you to take a look. So it's almost like you know, good old inclusio, you guys. <laughs> Remember that word? It's almost like it is like an inclusio because Jesus says, "I and the Father are one." And then he ends with saying, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. All right. Both instances, they try to just stone him or arrest him right after that. This isn't all part of the same event? It is is part of the same event. Yeah. Same event. Just a short conversation is going on. I have a quick question. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. 34. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? Question mark. What's your question, Daniel? Is it not written in your law, the law of Moses? Uh-huh. They would know that. Right. And he says, I said, you are gods. He's saying, I said. As God would say, I said, you are gods. What is... Is there... Can you elaborate on the He's referring to Psalms 82. Yeah. So you just... you Okay. So here we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's... You just hit on it. Okay. So do you guys see that there? If you're reading, reading here, I mean, you just want to write to it. It makes it too easy, okay? You just want to write to it. So notice what happens. Is a Jew say, it is not for good work, in verse 33, that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you are being a man, and you're making yourself God. Right. Jesus is now going to respond to that. And he's going to respond to that by saying what you just said. Right. All right. What does that mean? Why? Why is Jesus <laughs> saying this? Because, because if you if you guys read that right now, listen to how Jesus answers them. You're trying to make yourself God, and Jesus answers them what? Is it not written in your law? So he's going to go back to the Old Testament, and then takes ownership, and then says, "I said you are gods." If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, um, you are blasphemy because I said I am the Son of God? What is going on here? Basically, if you accept him and the Holy Spirit, you then become like him. Is that correct? You have God inside of you. What do you guys think? What is Jesus doing here by quoting something? And Tom just got it. Okay. Tom, too. 
Let's see. What's he doing by quoting something? Yeah. What is he? What if you look at that? Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. Right. So he's making an argument. They're saying you're making yourself God. Is Jesus making himself God? No. No, he's the Son of God. Well, well is he making himself God? No, he's not. Is he saying he's God? Yes. Okay. So Jesus is basically defending or, or defending and saying, what's he trying to tell the Jews? He's trying to tell them that he is God. He is God. He is God. He's the Messiah. So what does that have to do with what's going on in verse 34? How is Jesus trying to show that he's God by quoting something? The context of you are gods. Is that Psalm 82? Is that what you said? That's right. That's what Tom So, uh, if there was a footnote there, just to give a little more elaborate, you know, cross-reference. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm uh, looking at that little poll. I read it earlier today, but... Uh, uh-huh. So, that's the important meat right there. Yeah, it is. Contextual, you are gods. Tell us more about that. That's what I want you to tell me. More That's about. what I asked. <laughs> oh, I asked you to elaborate. And okay. We're going in circles. Well, so, so what if, should we do? Just what you, should we you, do at this point? You should you should go back and read the psalm. Very good. Yes. So okay. what, what, yes. What, he's doing the same thing he's doing all the way through John. Is he is he is pulling, the old scripture. He's pulling text that they should know and do know. Yes. Right. To bear witness to himself beyond right. all the works. Everything so, you're seeing with your own eyeballs, go back and look at your word. Right. So you're right, Jason, but my question now is, he's doing that. How is he doing that here? Well, let's Which read Psalm, Psalm 82. <laughs> 82. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've got it in NLT if you want me to read it. So let's take a look at Psalm 82. What version? NLT. Um, let's know. Let's do like ES. Yeah, I want to do ESV because I want to. I want us to make sure we've got the, some of these words right. NLT ESV. might be a little loose with the language. I got ESV right here. Uh, okay, you want to read ESV? Dan? Yeah, sure. Okay, no so what? So we're trying. The, the question is this: Is Jesus is ramping things up? He's defend. He's I say defending himself. He's claiming he's God. And they're saying you're blaspheming. He's going back and he says, I am God. And he now quotes this psalm. And remember, whenever Jesus or anybody quotes, particularly Jesus, when he quotes a part of a psalm, they always, for the Jews, they go, that you're meaning the whole psalm. Okay? So, you always go back and read the whole thing. All right? Cool. So, I want us to read and see if we can try to figure out what is Jesus doing here by quoting the psalm. Okay. Um, So, Psalm 82, so go ahead, Daniel. Rescue the weak and needy, a psalm of Asaph. God has taken his place in the divine council. Where are you you reading first? Psalm 82. Psalm 82 82 now. He just read the verse 1. Top of the the chart. You there, David? I got it. Okay. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partially partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. 
all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die, and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Okay. So what do you... Is there anything that just, like, is... They go, what is going on here? <laughs> he just described his ministry. A healing people and the way he goes about it. How does Psalm 82 do that? Um, ministering to the weak and people that have no authority and the downtrodden... Okay, so what is going on in Psalm 82 then? Okay, I see where you're picking that up. You're saying where he's, where it says there in verse 2, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked and give justice to the weak? Okay, so... Oh, is he saying something like... Like, if he's calling them little gods... God gave that word, little gods, to, to like, I don't know, um, little gods is like, uh, who they are, like, um, like their counsel or who, who they are, like the, who's the, they? the, uh, Pharisees. Well, but the Pharisees aren't here in Psalm 82. Or, or like their position. Huh? Is it their position? In, he judges among the gods, the chosen people, his people, the Jews. Okay. Who plus in there yeah. authorities within the Jews? Who is God, who is Psalm eighty two talking about? The congregation are well the chosen people and the believers. Divine counsel? Okay. So, do you hear what Tom just said? Look at look at look at Psalm eighty two. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you as we get into this now. At this point, this is one of the one of the hardest things that Jesus ever says to try to understand. And what is going on in the Psalm is very unusual. Seems like we're we've all become Greek. <laughs> it's it's just very very unusual. What is, what is happening gods. here? Um, yeah, Greeks have multiple gods. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to just just to let you it's know we're, we're sort of going to go into a space now, sort of like woo, okay. But it's a very important place to sort of go as but to what is being talked. He about says here. we'll judge. Well, you, so judge over so the I want yeah. So I want you to listen to Steve for a minute. This is fine. Just be just because what you're doing is you're reading this as it is addressed to people. It's not. You're reading it as as it is addressed to the congregation or to Israel or whatever, oh. right? It's just it's addressed to the gods and the divine council. Okay. Did you hear Daniel? Excellent. This psalm is addressed to something you very rarely see. God is talking to the divine council. Yeah. 
Who is the divine council? How do you know? Because it says. The divine council? It, it actually says. Well, that's the, we're going to, that's what we show you. Okay. So the great white brotherhood. So, so I want to, I'm going to point out a couple of things here. So first of all, this word divine council, all right, is very specifically God is speaking here of no one on earth. Right. He is speaking of those who are part of his heavenly council. Heavenly this beings. is the, yep. think of the powers and principalities. Yep. We are now in the heavenly realm and we are now with God in the heavenly realm and God has a divine council. Yep. And though that divine council is made up of what is called gods. <laughs> All right. In fact, that word gods is Elohim. That just to give you guys some context, the word in verse one, the word God is Elohim. And when it says the midst of the gods, that's Elohim. Okay? So there's the God. I don't know if you ever knew this before, but God has a divine council in which he has beings, spiritual beings that are also called gods. Every time that this is mentioned like this, it's always referring to the divine council. So God is now speaking to this divine council that that are up with Him. Okay. Is this Everyone follow me? Ever, sort of. Is the no, council ever described when it says, "But you shall well, die like men"? I mean, it sounds to me like He's talking about dying and believing. Yeah. So I'm a little confused. Well, yeah. No, this is fine to be confused. This is one of the most Interesting, I'll, and I'm, we'll get more into this. So, what were you asking? Or were you saying? Described. Is the council ever described? Um, it's described here. Okay, and we're going to go back and look at the place of a description. No, no, it's not. Okay, and that's why hmm. this is a very difficult sort of passage. Because I mean, are we looking at huge numbers? Or are we looking at small numbers? As far as what the divine council is made up of? Probably could be very huge. Is it okay. Revelations describes the, the the council and the throwing the crowns. That's the into nations. The center. That's a yeah. nation. So that's not the divine council. I mean, God also has a divine mm-hmm. army as well. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Of course, he's got in verse six. Um, kind of like what Kenny was saying. Yeah. It says, "Ye are gods." Right. And then the next phrase says, "And all of you." I would think that's synonymous with ye, ye are gods. That's right, he is speaking to... And all to of you are children of the Most High, so these gods are also children of the Most High, right? Sons, they are actually called right. sons okay. of the Most and High. And verse right. 7, you uh-huh. go, but ye shall die like men. Is right. the same ye? That, that's right. the same ye. So now yes. we're saying this council in heaven is going to die like men. That's right. Correct. They're not men, but they're going to die, die like men. Oh, okay. You see? Like no, who got cast out of heaven? Who was a son of the That's Most High? They're being judged. They're being judged by God. Right. Okay. These are divine beings, spiritual beings. Right. Is this like Satan? Well, it's not Satan. No, no, no. But, I mean, like, but it's like but that. Like him. It's like a that. spiritual being like Satan. Again, this is what this divine council made up. These angels. I mean, no one knows how many angels there are, but there's, I think. Jesus says some different places there's millions of millions. I mean, there's a lot of angels. Okay, but this is like his top echelon yep. of, of those angels. 
All right. And so that's why you see it says, just like what Tom did here, you notice that it says you are gods, and Elohim, again, is a word that can be used for spiritual beings. In fact, how it's used here is only always used in this manner for spiritual beings. I mean, some of the prayers of Jews use the term Elohim. Yeah, they do. Uh-huh. Is that... <clears throat> well, Elohim, it can refer to the God, which is the God of all the gods, the creator of all, Okay. but also his little... His council is Junior made up of sons of they, Aren't they referred God. to as the ben, ben Elohim? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's Ben Elohim. Exactly. Where is this grand council coming from? This, this divine heaven. council was created by God. And and some, where is the scripture that talks about it? Right here, well, you were reading that's what it. We're, yeah. Well, we're, we're reading it right now. What verse says? So there's a lot of, so I'm not going to go into the whole detail because I'll give you guys reference if you want to get into it. This is very, gets involved. Psalm 89 talks about this, but I want to, I'm going to take you there in just a second. So what's happening is this divine council is being judged because they did not do what God told them to do. They had an assignment, all right, that God put them on. And they have failed that assignment. In heaven. That's correct. Alright. So let's take a look at what that assignment was. Alright, going back to what you're asking. I've never heard yeah. this ever. I know. And you know what? You you Genesis. probably haven't we're not in a culprit here. No. You Genesis probably haven't because this is something that is avoided. That, this is very it advanced. is. It is. This is well it shouldn't be. Yeah. So this is something and that probably is, when they were writing the Bible initially, they, the kings and the scribes probably saw this and went, uh, yeah. people aren't ready for this. We're going to leave this off the side. But the we'll, we'll sprinkle a little bit in there just to give them a hint. Greg's going to yeah. part the curtain. Well, he created delegation with Moses and the judges. Right. So this whole system came from somewhere. Right. So God does not need this divine council. He created it. Well, he it's did originally. There are, there are obviously but what, what I'm saying is, is Adonai does not need anything. He's creating this for his own purposes. Correct. So the fact that this stuff is all there, mm-hmm. could be there, is there, why not? Right. Well, well, it is story. Story. For the same That's reason right. that he gave us free will, so we yeah. would come to him, so we could be... But he has shown us to how, how to delegate. Course. He showed Moses how to delegate. He showed the, yeah. the system of judges. So you're describing from more mortal judges to celestial. So yeah, but here what we're describing the celestial judges. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. He's telling us about th- these are the, the fallen angels. Exactly. Well, they're not fallen. They're, they're not, not falling they're, yet. They're, 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 they're not falling yet, but they're going to be. Yeah. Okay. But he's, this is this is the story. And for this our is benefit. different than Satan. Right. Okay. So that's what's sort of interesting. Has Satan and his angels already fallen. Well, yes. Satan already so this fell. Is, this is group yeah. two. This, yeah. But these yeah, are this, his sons. That's right. They're they're still upstairs. Yeah, that's about right. To be right. And about to go down. These are the guys that's who right. are about to d- descend yeah. on, on the mountain and mate yeah. with the women. The and just, and so you guys is know. True? Is that true? Well, um, the Nephilim? It is true. The, the father's So the Nephilim, yeah. Whoa, we got a so bunch we're, of scholars. I know. Here, we're getting into, so, and again, this is an area that just within the last probably 20 to 50 years has really come out a lot because what's being recognized is that we have not really read properly a lot of this divine counsel stuff that is going on with God. And now as people are starting to look at it, they're seeing 
there's a whole lot of stuff we didn't see before around this in the Old Testament that's very solid. And I'll give you some references. So, so the relevance of all this stuff and the reason that it wasn't really brought up is because prophecy was not really taken seriously. All of a sudden people are going, hey man, are we, is this the end times? What's going on? And now they're really getting into prophecy. And wait a minute. Well, we got to understand evil. And oh my gosh, all this stuff has the history of the universe in it, in particular the, the earth and what's going on here. Now, What's far out is that these guys descend onto earth on a mountain that still exists, the base of which has the gate of hell in it, where Jesus preached in Peter, where everyone thinks, oh, Peter's the the rock of the church. No, no, no. The rock he was standing on was at at the entrance of the gate of hell, which we can go to today. It's still there. Where is it? It's in the very northern part of... I don't know if it would still be Israel, Yudina, or uh, it's called the, the land of the serpent. Okay, so you're going to get out of this up. So I want you guys, because now what we see is we see this divine council, all right? And word. that's what the word means. It means a council of people that are the spiritual, yes. being, or, um, spiritual beings. They're being judged for something. I want us to see what they're being judged for. Because they were given an assignment by God. All right, they have failed that assignment, is what we're seeing in Psalm 82, and judgment's coming on them. But that means they had to be given that assignment. So I want you guys to turn to Deuteronomy 32, and we're going to see where that assignment's given. So I told you it's going to be really sort of like X Files tonight. Deuteronomy what? Deuteronomy 32. Thanks, Steve. This is like the, um, you know, when Paul talks about powers and principalities, we don't really get a lot of that. What's happening is we're seeing this powers and principality principle, and this has been around all the way through Scripture, all right, all the way from the very beginning. You see this, and Jason's bringing up some of it. But, okay, so you guys see Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Okay, everyone there, Deuteronomy 32? Yeah? Everyone say yeah. Notice what it says. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Okay. That's not really. Start at verse 8. When the Most High. Who's the Most High? God. God. The God. The Elohim. Gave the nations their inheritance. So what nations are we talking about? The earth. Right. The nations other than... The heavenly kingdom. Well, other than... What's the one nation? Israel. Israel. Exactly. Because who is the who is the God of Israel? The Most Elohim. High. Right. Okay. So when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples, these are the nations, according to the number of the sons of God. Okay. That sons of God is the same sons of God we're talking about in Psalm 82. Did you notice he said borders? That's right, fixed, because they did. They said borders. borders. Mine says the sons of Israel. I know, and that is not a correct translation. Okay. This is where people were getting, okay? It is actually the sons of Elohim. All right? So what you have here is, and I can't get into all the details. I can tell you how if you guys want to look more into this. But so what happened <laughs> here is great. that, when all the nations were sort of formed early on, God gave 
different spiritual beings authority to watch over those specific nations, Mm -hmm. while he watched over Israel. And they were given the assignment to do that. Okay, Psalm 82 is telling you that they failed that assignment. And because of that, God is going to judge them. Right. That they haven't been strict enough or diligent enough in but it actually handing says, out I mean, their mandates. Eric picked up on it. It's like they should have. If you look at Psalm 82. Mm-hmm. How long will you judge unjustly mm-hmm. and show partiality to the wicked? Mm-hmm. So they obviously have turned evil. Mm-hmm. Given justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and destitute, rescue the weak and needy. They have not done what they were supposed to do. Which ironically is exactly what the Sanhedrin are doing, that Jesus is yeah. judging yeah. Okay. John. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> just this one. I need back to seven, but you shall die like men. Yes. Very Does good. that connote that there's a turnover in them, or that they're all one group that's being judged and going to be all erased together? They're all, one, they're all one group. They're being judged, and they're going to, in essence, I don't know, well, here, There's no replacements. That, that's not, right. Not an ongoing there thing. Is it's no. all or nothing. That's right. Okay. So they're all being judged. They all have failed their assignment, and they're being judged by God for that. Okay. All right? Which means he's probably going to cast them out. Then the cleaning he, house. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, why would Jesus... Because this. the Pharisees know the Bible inside now. Why would Jesus what? Why would Jesus quote Psalm eighty-two? Because the Pharisees know exactly. Well, what, what do they? Means. What is Jesus saying? So you got to remember, Jesus is making an argument that, that he's they're, God. They're become wicked. They they're judging right. unjustly. But beyond that, he's he's diving into something oh. that is outside of the human realm. Right. He he's talking about something right. that is only understood in the in the divine right. the realm of, is the, he of saying, the kingdom. Is he saying that they, he would know that God and man, God man, God and man can be one? He's well, saying that he's God saying, has sons, and they that he's the right. son of God. Okay, yeah. Very, okay, yeah, that, very that, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you got it, Tim. Very, you, you guys are like, whew. But okay. also, like, God is not caught off guard, and he will clean his own house. Right. No, God but, was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so I want you, so, you, you're getting it here. So, God, so Jesus is making an argument, and he's saying to them, He's trying to still argue the fact that I am, I am not just a mere man. I am equal to God's. And you just nailed it. Because what he's saying is, is that when he says the word sons of God, he's saying, I'm, I'm in this category of divine being. Mm. But then he goes a whole another step further because he says, I'm not just part of the divine being. Okay. Notice how it says there's Elohim God, and God has all these other gods underneath them, right? And yet, gods are spiritual beings here. Jesus is saying, uh, yeah, guess what? I'm part of that, but I'm not just part of that. I'm actually... I am the Father of one. one I am the Father of one. I am the Son of God. I am... Visa. I am equal, 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 equating myself yeah. to the Elohim, mm. which is the one and only true God. 
So he's going back to scripture and he's doing this thing to them. And so notice, because he's stating that, now they are really angry. <laughs> because they're, he's saying, I'm up here, and guess what? I'm even above that. And he, and well, and he's also saying then, because he is in the form of man, so right, this is, right. you got, you got yes. two, two worlds overlapping, and he's, exactly. he's saying, I'm God. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the scripture that defines accordingly. Secondly, I am judging you. Right now. Yes. You is. are being judged as, as the Ben Elohim were as well. Yeah. So, how many Which, of you guys, that's why they want how many of you guys were in the Hebrew study? I don't know. You, you were, yeah, you were here. You were here. Okay. Was I in the Hebrews? Yeah. Okay. Do, do you guys remember when we studied Hebrews, um, what happens in Hebrews 1, that we did something with a bunch of um, pieces of wood? Do you remember that at all? I remember wood. Bunches of wood. I don't remember what happened. Sorry. So, Some in Hebrews time. 1, yes. what happens is sort of very similar to this. In Hebrews 1... Jesus, or he, the, the, the author of Hebrews, is telling us, if you remember, that they were people were trying to equate Jesus as just one of the angels. And in Hebrews one, it, it tells us that Jesus is above all of the angels. He is the great high priest. So what we did was we built this back then, okay? And we we did this as part of the exercise, and we read through the passage. And we saw that they talk about angels, and then it gave in Hebrews 1 all the different reasons why Jesus is higher and above and different than the angels. Same thing that's happening here. It's Jesus is saying, guess what, I'm divine, but I'm even more than that. I am actually the the one. He appointed the heir of all things. Yeah, exactly. Unadulterated. Yeah. So he is he's really like not just saying, I am the father of one. He's making an argument here in John ten that just seals the deal. Yeah. <laughs> that just has him go, This guy is and he not only knows the scripture, but he is really saying that he really is He's gone very deep. Yeah. And probably some of these guys aren't even capturing. They're just upset. Would they know the spiritual dynamic, this, that spiritual level yes. of... Yes, they would, yes. Unlike me. Yeah. Well, unlike most people, like, because very few people really have seen this. This really has not been brought out a whole lot. So the irony of tonight like is... Yeah, I mean, yeah. The irony of tonight is that I was driving to, so Rich Thompson, you guys know Rich Thompson, his son Troy passed away, all right, and um, so Troy, um, I was going to Troy, his memorial service on, on Saturday over at Mariners, and I was driving there in the 73, and I was listening to a podcast, and as I was listening, as I was going down the 73, coming down towards where I take the exit to Mariners, this is how much I remember this, is because all of a sudden the podcast I was listening to stopped. It was done. 
and, and Apple Podcasts and automatically switch me to the next podcast. And it shocked me because it was a podcast. The podcast was a podcast that's been put on for many years now by a guy named Michael Heiser, Heiser who is a reputable, very reputable New Testament scholar who's written a whole lot of books. He just passed away at 60 years old three months ago. And so I've been re, I've read his books, I've watched his stuff. Look okay. at me. <laughs> yeah. So 60 years old is so sad. It was sad because they were doing this, like his podcast, and this other guy's on saying, hey, he's passed away and we're trying to sort of honor him. <clears throat> three months ago, he found out he had pancreatic cancer at 60 years old. Now he's dead. And I'm just listening to this. I was just like, like, I wasn't balding, but I was just, oh my gosh, he just hit me like a rock. Because I actually sort of know this guy. Mm. I've been, I've read a lot of his books. His whole ministry, the thing that he's done in his like life is to really bring out exactly what we're talking about right now, about this divine counsel. Mm. Um, he's been a scholar. He's been raising it up among everybody. So if you ever want to read the book, about this, to try to go, because I was like you were, I was like, what are you talking about? This does not make any sense. There's, he, his like main book is called The Unseen Realm. And it's an excellent book that would just enlighten you to see stuff going on in the heavenly realm that is talked about in the Old Testament and New Testament that we just sort of read past and we go, we don't, we just don't see it because we're not trained to see it. Um, it's not, it wasn't talked about a lot. So anyway, if you guys ever want to really get into Heiser, something that's like so Heiser, cool, Heiser, Heiser H-E-I-S-E-R, H-E-I-S-E-R, Michael yes. H-E-I-S-E-R. Yeah. Uh, Michael S. Heiser. Yeah. Yes. Divine Council. We're given an assignment to manage the nations, and I think as many of them as in heaven were as many nations on earth, so it was kind of corresponding. Well, no, it didn't correspond, okay. no, no. But that's not important. Yes. So, uh, they failed. That's correct. And God is going to judge them or did judge them. So, correct. If extrapolate off that, can we say that that explains the mess that the world's in? They failed to manage the nations? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think back then, at least... You could explain that as part of the mess. Yeah, they did not properly manage nations. Yeah, I would say that. Does, could we relate that to today? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Can I, I pick know. up on that? Yeah. <clears throat> Metaphorically, it occurs to me that the Pharisees and Sadducees are the replacement on earth of the heavenly realm. <laughs> and the responsibility that they were given. And so when he is referring to this, he's knocking them off their perch. And and they don't like it. But see, they're because they've taken over the job of being the heavenly realm for the majority of the people and putting themselves in authority. Uh But they blow it. Which goes to what Tom say, and there's the mess. That's right. If, yeah. you, if you read the next in uh, 32, Deuteronomy, 
9, but the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob has a lot of Yeah, there you of go. There's things. So, yeah, very good. So that's, that's precisely right. So now God is, Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. You know that I'm the one watching you and making sure that, and you have been, you are the princes on earth that I put mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. That's right. They're bad assistant shepherds. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so did you, I don't know if any of you guys saw that goofy movie, the Noah movie with uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. They actually, it, they, they actually sort of made a pretty okay attempt at, at venturing into this territory. Did they talk about the Netflix and that? The book they, in the Enoch, yeah, they yeah, get pretty yeah, deep yeah. into they, it. They yeah. did, and the Watchers, and they portrayed the Watchers as yeah. being... Um, Definitely. Uh, uh, encrusted with with rock. Yeah. Right? Oh, I remember that now. Right? I do. I saw that. And the yeah. Nephilim so were trees. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and so yeah. they were trying to, you know, all they wanted to do was to get to be reunified with God. And so when they helped Noah, then they were right. shot back up. Right. right. But they were the ones that actually closed the door. Yeah. And... And helped him build the thing at the speed that he did. Yeah. Probably one of the strangest verses, passages in all the scripture, which takes us to like a whole another level is what we're talking about right now, is in Deuteronomy, in a, sorry, in Genesis 6. What ends up happening, this is around the time before Noah, is that these sons of God, these angels, came down and had sex with women right, on earth. Right. Right. And procreated. Right. That's the Nephilim. And and here it gets really weird. So they actually had so that the the race that got formed from that are the giants that are seen within the land. Right. And they and they were the great men of old. I I believe yes, they, yes, I believe yes. based on what I've read. That all the Viking gods, all the Greek gods, all those that, guys were actual beings. Yep. And that's, some people do believe that that, and so that's why ultimately though what God has done is he's cleaned out that race. Right. So part of the judgment of what's happened in Israel, when David went in and they cleaned out Israel, people think, why are they wiping out all these, these people and all of a sudden just like wiping them out? It's because they were Probably a descendant, descendant of the stuff that happened, right. and God is cleaning out this stuff, and you just go, "This is really bizarre." I mean, this is like were the way of the mortal? They, they were the Nephilim were angels. Were they mortal? Yes. Yeah, so could they die? But they'd live they, for like 900,000 years. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, God I think, wiped them out, then yeah, they're mortal. Then the mortal. Yeah, because you, right. in, in, that's why would the flood occur. Yeah, and then he says, <laughs> then the Lord said, my spirit shall well, not abide in man forever, for he is in flesh, his days shall be 120 years. Yeah. That's when he stopped them from living like a thousand yeah. years or so. But, so but Tom just asked something important, which I guess is part of the controversy, is that it's very possible they did not all die through the flood. Oh. Because they're giants, so they can breathe, right? Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, so that race continued even, and there's some stuff in Deuteronomy, I mean, Genesis about this, that like, this still continued on after the flood even. Oh, okay, yeah. so the and flood did not completely wipe them out. Here. Yes. Well, it's believed genetically. That, that genetically, genetically God has, that's the reason why God goes into Israel 
and cleanses people. Because you notice he just wipes out the entire like people groups. And people are like, how can God do that? Well, one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not going to play God here, but it's believed that one of the possible reasons why he did do that was because these were part of that race that the Nephilim. Anthropologists were giants on this planet. planet. All they over were, the place. They were our presidents, our forefathers found them. They were ultimately on their plantations. And they're, and they're all they buried down in the right now. They're all buried down in the right now. And the Smithsonian. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Every anthropologist in the Smithsonian is like, what are you talking about? We don't have any giant bones. There's articles where we gave you guys wrote it. And they're all gone. Sacred space of God. Because it proves the Old Testament. Proves being 100%. Proves that there's a God. Yeah. That's very interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. You can find yeah. stories yeah. of giant bones being found all over the world. And all, all over the world. And there's all a newspaper articles on it. Sediment. So, so and they all go to the Smithsonian and they all disappear. So what I'm saying is it proves, <laughs> it proves it's true. non-existent of the missing link anyways. And so it's, there's nothing tied to it as being evolution. No, it's God's. Creation. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a missing link. It's God's creation. It's yeah. And then, I mean, and these again, I, I'm telling him, you know, these they violated their sacred space. They were right. not supposed to go down and become, right. you know, impregnant right. human half, beings. Half humans. And yeah. that's right. They were not right. supposed to do that. Can I share one more cool? Little, <laughs> this is this is so yeah. uh, so such a cool thing. So it was Mount Heron was is the name of the mountain. Mm-hmm. I've been there. That that they descended upon, uh-huh. which is also the mountain that Jesus. This is this is the epicenter of evil on the planet Earth. Okay, this is where the gates of hell are at the base of it. And that is also where Jesus went up with the boys and transfigured Figure. to just to claim it. I mean, it's the most awesome thing ever. Like like if, without knowing that reality, that history. Hey, this is the mount. This is the physical geographic place that is the epicenter like of evil. Portal, portal yes, it's the, it's the portal. The of, portal the, yeah. And he just went up and said, "You know who's the king? I am." Now, check it out. I'm God, guys. You see that? And but wait, now we got work to do. Let's go back down the mountain. These guys would have been quaking at the thought of going to this place. It was sheer evil. And it's just he just. Conquers, and if we don't know this, and we just go through reading the, the Bible, and it's like, well, that's why I thought we'd get, we'd get weird tonight and have a, just a weird session. <laughs> but it's fascinating. I mean, actually, it's fascinating. I learned a lot because I never saw it. To be honest, I never saw this until about five, ten years ago when I started reading up on my stuff. And what's fascinating is you learn a lot of stuff about the divine council and about these angels, which actually sort of enlightens you in dealing with the powers and principalities that Paul talks about. Right. That there are these spiritual beings, and these beings have been around for a while. They have done these different things. And so there's a history throughout all of Scripture of what's gone on with these. And a lot of times people sort of just, we're, we're, we're sort of, we, we don't see that realm. And well, it's really not talked about a lot that. in the New Testament, no. angels, uh-huh. principalities. It's right. all talked about in the Old Testament. You know, right. a lot of people saw angels. But we just sort of read like, over it without really thinking about well, we the implications. It's old, you know. Right. Bible stuff. recap yeah. went through it. Yeah. In last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's part of. Yeah. So I had to. I taught a thing on um, spiritual warfare for a Bible recap group, and going back and studying for the spiritual warfare 
I went back into this stuff too because this is Love where it. you find yeah. out more about how these powers and principalities and the angels and all that stuff work, and you just see like, wow, there's this whole other thing that we don't realize has. Well, you said I guess in a way, but it's it, they do have an influence on our world <laughs> because it's evil. If they're right. the evil, if demons, well, we, God's got an army of angels to combat that as well. Right. So he's got generals and commanders and everything. And what's, what's Jesus doing is he is not just claiming that he is God. He's actually casting out these demons. He's showing, I have power over these beings. Right. Didn't, you know, Archangel said, hey, I would have been here earlier, but... Uh, had to go I was, kill a serpent. I was, I was, I was battling. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so, you know, yeah. You might have weird dreams tonight, so. <laughs> okay, then, uh, I got my dream catcher. <laughs> so if they were kicked out of heaven, basically. Yes. I never believed it. Do they dwell between heaven and earth still? Well, I don't think, I don't think, it doesn't say where these were that got judged. They're all around. I don't know if God killed them, if he wiped them out at that point, or whether they're still around. But demons are actually spirits that are in the world that move from person to person. Yeah, move around in the world and stuff. Um, And that's the reason why, I mean, I'll just throw it out, just about spiritual warfare again. You know, people talk about, there's a lot of obviously fake stuff that happens with witchcraft and stuff. But there's also real stuff that happens. And so when you have an authentic situation where someone is conjuring up spirits, and those spirits know something that happened 300 years ago, it is because you're dealing with a demon that does know what happened 300 years right, ago. because they were there. Yeah. Because there is a... Va- yeah, that's why yeah. you don't play with that. Right. Because these are under the control of Satan, and they right. want to <laughs> do you harm. Yeah. Um, so it, that's the reality of why you don't do Ouija boards, and you don't right. do witchcraft, and you don't get involved in that stuff. Um, you, I did when I was in my you make 20s. It simple, you don't sin. Yeah. You right. open the door to them if you sin. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very good point, too. Yeah, they don't right. come in front of you. Have you ever had to deal with a witch? <coughs> I have a deal with I did an exorcism one time, and that was really brought me into, like, going, wow, this stuff is, is really real. Sick, yeah. 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 But I've never dealt with a witch. I used to actually, in my 20s, do tarot, tarot cards yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, I was all involved in some really? not good stuff. Yeah. I can't believe God protected me from it, to be honest. Oh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> you can pass by people, like, oh, yeah. and you feel the vibe. Oh, oh dude, You're like, there is just something going on right there. there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's so so much. The, 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 I teach Qigong, right? This is a, It's a medicinal energy flow thing. And the, the, if you the use microcosmic it for, orbit. Yeah, if you use it for good and you're a practitioner of it and everything else, everything's cool. But the reason that it was secret for thousands and thousands of years is because there's also the other side of evil it. gets a hold of it, and all of a sudden, the whole Star Wars thing was all based on this stuff. So it's some people that's in in China. It really, I know people. I have friends that were rec- that were basically kidnapped without them knowing they were being kidnapped to be recruited to be assassins. Yeah. Because they could 
move energy that way. So they go in a restaurant and some dude just falls in the bowl of this soup bowl, choking to death. Yeah. And it's because the assassin was sitting across the room and just did it. Look up pushing hands. So so on, on YouTube. But it, it's real. Yeah, this is got the power. I mean, that's why you know yeah. this is just this is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all over the place. I've had, I've had witch encounter. I've had an encounter with a witch. That was, it was really kooky. There was. Can I share this story? Sure. Just just to reaffirm yeah, sure. the fact that it's we're getting we'll really weird we'll tonight. Tonight's right? nice anyway. a night to be weird, but then we'll go back to normal. I've had like all these weird encounters with demons and witches. What happens? So so I'm at this party and there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. It was like an engagement party and it was just it was just weird. Well, one of the people there was this guy who. Was uh, had been under investigation for many years for the murder of his wife. Okay, and and I don't know this person, and I never met them before, and nothing. And so all of a sudden, somebody starts going, oh, "You know who that guy is?" Blah, blah blah And and he has this charity where he takes wheelchairs down to you know South America or something, and it's supposed to go good. But everyone goes, "Yeah, everyone just goes down there at parties, right?" And it's like some you know, rich kids getaway thing. And I'm, I'm like, wow, that's really weird. Well, he's there with this woman that is like, like, like uh, some, you know, the the vampire goddess, like just this pale porcelain skin, unbelievable figure, just bursting out of her thing, and just like, I mean, like you couldn't draw something better, right? And black hair, black eyes, the whole thing, and it was just like, well, well. Anyway, he's with this gal. At some point. I go out in this patio, and there's like 35 people out there, okay? And everyone's fine, having a good time. And they have those Chinese lanterns strung like this across this rectangular space. So there's probably 20 of these Chinese lanterns. And all of a sudden, this woman is in front of me. It was really weird. It's almost like everything's kind of shifted around. Suddenly, this woman's right in front of me. And she starts talking to me. And, and is like invading my space, right? And there's a glass wall right here. And my wife's on the other side of it. And I'm standing here talking to this woman and I'm like I'm like going and my wife's just looking at me like laughing because like a good way to way to go guy. And I'm just like and there's no word she's somehow like keeping me in here. Her dude comes over and is like throwing a weird vibe and she like like what's going on around here and she looks at him with this look and just literally it was like he just like slid across the floor and just went away right and and she starts telling me about her brother's a warlock she's a witch this and then her father was a pastor and now they're they've and she the two of us are like destined for greatness and all that me and her Within like a five minute conversation, I'm going, what? and all of a sudden, I, and, and she goes, you don't believe me? Look around. And not one person was on the patio. Not one. She's like, I made them leave. And I'm like, and she goes, you still don't believe me? Look up. I look up. Every Chinese lantern is dead still, except for the one right above our heads. It's just going, and I went, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And just ran. It was hooky crazy. How long ago was this? Last month. No, it wasn't last month. That you was, used to drink. It was probably about 15 years ago. But anyways, it was real. You know, that stuff's, I grew up in the occult. 
And my dad was head of the uh, religious science movement in the 50s and 60s, Donald Curtis. My mom was uh, part of that whole thing, but they all were metaphysicians, and they all were New Age metaphysicians. My uncle was head of the I Am. And uh, you've got to give your testimony next time. <laughs> no, it's not, I'm not ready yet. But you remember when the women's club used to have those seances? Yes. In the late 60s, my mom took me to one at six years of age in 1969. And they were just coming into technology with parabolic mics and recording poltergeists and stuff like that. I get chills thinking about it. And my mom, I don't know what her, we used to go to these conventions, world conventions, you know, these seances and these metaphysi- metaphysical, you know, garbage things. And, and I grew up with that. That really? stuff all around me, but that's why I had pictures of Jesus all in my room. I was like the only one in my family, like my uncle and everybody all had St. Germain, you know, and I'm like, why would you put St. Germain there when you can easily just put Jesus there? Like, what, what are you doing? You know, what's wrong with you people, that you know? And, you know, anyway, you know, Alice Bailey, uh, Emmett Fox, all these people, my dad just thought, you know, we're like a high echelon of teachers in the world at the time. My dad was born in 1915, so I'm kind of a little slack, but my mom was born in 1920. Anyway, 1969. What? 19, what? 30 years. What? Dad was born in 1950. My was, dad was born in 1915. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like there's a... He was, <laughs> he was 40, 48 years of age when I was born. My mom was 44. Almost 44, a month away from Booth. But anyway, go to the women's club. They're having one of these seance things where all these people that have this high-tech equipment are playing these tapes of poltergeists and, and ghosts and stuff. And my mom expected me to sit in there. Get out of there? Yeah, not interested. This is dark stuff. I don't like it. Well, the point is, it's got a, it's got a nice, happy ending. That's why I follow Christ. <coughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. exactly why. Because that was the only way that I could shine that darkness away from me, you know. And it's the same with him, you know. It's the same thing. These people, I've been exposed to these people my whole life. They come after people like us that are filled with the light, you know what I mean? So I grew up kind of a fighter because of it. Because I was surrounded by all these people. I had to fight these types of people off, you know. There was a young couple in this church years ago who met people like you're talking about and they wanted to present Christ to them <coughs> and they just have horror stories to tell about yeah. the relationship yeah. yeah and I saw how it took my mom down I saw how it took my dad down and my dad was like this big author and this big preacher I mean he was on Oprah Oprah had him on her TV show saying that he was the spiritual leader of America. You can look it up. You can find it on her backlog tapes. And I'm looking at this thing, listening to my dad being interviewed by Oprah going, do they realize he's been married seven times? Do they realize he's so full of, you know what? You know, I got drugged to church from the time I was, you know, a week old every Sunday. And I'd sit there and I'd listen. I'd go, he's not telling everybody what the truth is. 
truth is in here. Amen. You know, truth is in our book. Right. Amen. Yeah. Right. Too bad Tom didn't stick around yeah, to hear that. With that. That's fine. So, um, thank you guys. I mean, I knew it was going to get a little like gives us an opportunity to talk about some of these stuff that's that is real. Um, so next week we'll we're going to do John eleven and get back into um, just. The resurrection. So, so John 11 next week is Lazarus. It's a pretty big chapter. So, if you guys get a chance to read it, read it a few times even this week. Go through, just read through John 11. Um, it's it's a, it's one of the it's definitely the story to pre-configure what's going to happen with Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing. Pardon me. This portion of it. Well, we'll probably read. We might read the whole thing next week. Okay. Yeah, it's long, but it's good to get the whole story because it's it's a it's a whole long story. So, have you um, been have you been going back and reading Psalm fifty one more by chance, or was it just just for that one? I, I've been reading that. Like, yeah, it was just for that one. Yeah, I've been reading it almost every day. That that is so mm. the yeah, story of of the crucifixion. Oh yeah, absolutely right. Um, all right, Psalm so 51. and yeah. also I appreciate you guys' so prayers. I'm doing a sermon this Sunday mm. here, um, and you're gonna kill it, Greg. Well, I. Hopefully, yeah, not. just I need prayer. It's, <laughs> it's you know, especially when you don't do sermons very often. So anyway, you guys can just I want to use some of the stuff from we've been talking about here about the spirit and everything. So um, <clears throat> anyway, let me pray and let's go. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for oh my gosh, um, this evening is even all the stuff is can seem and it is can seem weird to us, Lord. Um, reminded in Colossians, and we thank God, Lord, that you have been risen from the dead. Yes, Lord. That you are Lord over all, over all the earth. Every knee shall bow to you, Lord. And that you are Lord and God over all powers and principalities and have power over all evil, Lord. And I just pray right now and declare, um, especially after this discussion um, tonight, Lord, that we walk out of this room focused on you, ones holy and following you, and that Satan has no ability, his demons, to do anything to touch any of us in this room. Yes. Mm-hmm. To just protect us in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name above all names, and the name and that power of that name that can cast out any kind of evil. Yes, God. So watch over us, protect us. Even Tom, Lord, is, um, as he's going home, Lord, watch over him. Yes. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.